Meet the Skywalkers by Frodogenic. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Chapter 8 Piet peeled off his cap and ran a hand through his surviving hair, savoring the blessed silence of the library. The so-called Iriadu Summit was on its tenth interminable day, almost exclusively due to the fact that Borskphalia considered it his duty to spend a quarter of an hour bickering over each word Piet said at the table, up to and including um. Not even the princess, with all her diplomatic acumen, could prevent him from having his say. In fact, she frequently invited his opinion, which Piet understood was appropriate and democratic and conducive to the long-term goal of winning over the new republic at large, but which was nonetheless vastly irritating, especially when the Bothan insisted on revising for the fifth time in a given day how large a charge would be permissible in the blaster cartridges of Lord Vader's six, five, make that four, no six again, man, stormtrooper entourage, when no if very well when the Dark Lord descended on Coruscant for the final ratification. In what Piet considered his finest diplomatic move so far, he had refrained from reminding the committee that Vader could spot them the entire entourage, his lightsaber, and a Durasteel straitjacket and still kill them all in five seconds flat. The princess often sent an encouraging smile his way, or lauded the progress being made, or privately complimented him on the way he wasn't tearing out fistfuls of Phalia's fur. That was about all that had kept him from throwing in the towel. Well, that of the fact that Vader had received each communication of fresh Republic demands with comparative serenity— only two holes had been punched into the executor's bulkhead so far. He ought to be conferring with Vader right now. The negotiations were on a two-hour recess while each side weighed the most recent proposals, the Senate committee in its cloakroom, and Piet in an elaborate antique library reserved for the use of top-ranking foreign diplomats on such occasions. But the executor's on-duty comscan officer had informed him that Lord Vader was in his meditation chamber and had given orders not to be disturbed, which historically would have left Piet twiddling his thumbs. Nowadays, he had only to hand the message off to the ship's resident Sith Whisperer and wait an hour or so while that intrepid individual flushed Vader out of hiding and performed the mysterious alchemical process he'd discovered for transforming the Dark Lord's homicidal wrath into mild irritability. Piet shook his head thoughtfully as he meandered around the room. Mere telepathy couldn't explain all the things Skywalker somehow understood about his impenetrable parent. For instance, a few weeks ago, he casually mentioned that if Piet wanted to look Vader in the eye, he should focus on the lower half of the man's eye plates, as if to him, the mask were nothing but a pane of transparasteel with Anakin Skywalker's face plainly visible behind. His feet stopped mid-stride. His gaze traveled sideways to a computer terminal and hung there, as if he were six years old and it were a forbidden cookie jar. He shouldn't have let such an impertinent idea cross his mind, let alone dare to act on it, but Vader was six hundred light-years away. Even for a mind-reader, that had to be out of reach. And the library was empty. And it wasn't as if he had anything better to do at the moment. Gingerly, he sat down at the terminal and brought up the Holonet research program. He scanned the room again. Still nobody. He blew out a breath and keyed in. Anakin Skywalker. After over five minutes of churning thought, the program blinked a zero-result screen. Are you sure you meant Anakin Skywalker? Piet leapt half out of his skin, swore a blistering string under his breath at the computer, and muted it, shooting another furtive glance over the top of the terminal. Then he tapped out. Anakin Skywalker. Still nothing, he frowned. Anakin Skywalker? The zero-result graphic appeared to be mocking him. He tried Anakin, Anoken, and finally out of sheer desperation, Anakin. The computer bleeped awake at that one. 
Did you mean Anakin Skywalk? With an especially foul oath bequeathed to him by his old drill instructor at Academy, Piet stabbed the mute key again. Not quickly enough, however, a snicker drifted from behind the shelves at his back. Swiveling round, he spotted a pair of bright brandy-brown eyes and a telltale lopsided grin glinting through the gaps. Evening, Admiral. Doing a little research project? Ah. <sighs> he relaxed a little. A good evening, Miss Solo. Idle curiosity, I suppose. If he had to be caught by a Solo twin, then thank the force it was Jaina and not... Anakin Skywalk, queried his second voice. Piet groaned inwardly and turned back. Jason the blackmailer was leaning over his console, head craned the better to read the display upside down. Does Grantad know you think his name is Annie? Piet suddenly had bigger things to worry about than whether he was about to become Jason's next source of pocket money. Grandad? Jason shrugged his father's elaborately nonchalant shrug. Why not? Piet's subsequent silence while he tried to decide which of the approximately 50,000 reasons why not should be the first out of his mouth unfortunately left the floor wide open for a change of subject. I can tell you now, said Jaina, coming up behind him, you won't find anything under Anakin Skywalker. Yep, said Jason. We all tried that ages ago. No hollows, no news reports, no census files, no birth certificates, no piloting licenses, not even any criminal records, if you can believe that. It's almost like some big-time Imperial honcho had that name wiped from the records or something. Who could it have been? They chorused. Piet had gotten slightly dizzy from twitching the seat back and forth, trying to keep up with which twin was speaking. He needed his brow. Well, I dare say in that case I'm wasting my time. Jason, for no reason that Piet could see, rapped out a short drum solo on the top of the console before he swung around and deposited himself in the neighboring chair. Now you just gotta know where to look. Search Kenobi. Jaina leaned over his shoulder. Piet squinted at the screen. Kenobi. K-N-O-B-Y, said Jason. There was a sound of someone's skull being thumped. Ignore Bantha Brains here, Admiral. K-E-N-O-B-I. Piet keyed the name in. Is he this Obi-Wan character I keep hearing about? Mm-hmm. The computer hummed, sifting through the accumulated records of 15,000 years of galactic history, or at least through such records as had managed to survive the cataclysmic downfalls of first the Republic and then the Empire. Who was he exactly? Grandad's smashball coach, said Jason. There was a sound of someone's shin being kicked. Ow! If you're practicing for Grandad, you might as well quit now. Hey! Jason donned an injured look, also plagiarized from his father. All of you know I'm considered a comic genius in many circles. Only the ones under the age of two, Jaina retorted. Anyway, have you seen the history hollows? He makes your girlfriend look like a Shurnian hyena, and she only smiles once every three years. I don't know what you're talking about, said Jason indignantly, now channeling a spot-on impression of his mother. I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> no, just the biggest crush since the Malastare Marvels beat the Corellian Comets 446 to 2. Piet cleared his throat. Fascinating, but who is... Obi-Wan Kenobi. A Jedi Knight, said Jaina. He taught Grandad way back when. Uncle Luke, too. Piet frowned. I was given to understand that your uncle did not begin his Jedi training until after the Battle of Hoth. Kenobi was killed aboard the first Death Star years before that. One could not listen to two months' worth of altercations between Vader and Skywalker without learning a considerable amount about A, Obi-Wan Kenobi's innumerable sins, and B, what Vader would have done to him on the first Death Star had he known about any more of them. Um, said Jaina, well, thing is, muttered Jason, they shared a look. 
It was a look he had seen worn by a great many ensigns and greenhorn lieutenants over the course of his career. What that look meant was, I now realize just how stupid my explanation sounds. What, Piet said severely, is the thing? The twins eyed each other like a pair of ock pops that had been caught peeing on the carpet. Then, in perfect unison, they sighed, He's a ghost. Piet spun the console around and pinned the twins with his best, do you think I got this rank by being an idiot expression? A ghost? You expect me to believe your uncle was educated by a ghost? Shuffling ensued. Well, said Jason, not just by a ghost. There was Master Yoda, too. He wasn't a ghost. He eyed his sister. At the time. Am I to understand, said Piet, that this Yoda is now also a ghost? Jason's expression performed several interesting little contortions of embarrassment. Well, apparently that's what happens to Jedi when they, um, die. If that were the case, we'd be up to our necks in them here on Coruscant, wouldn't we? He flicked his chin in the general direction of the Temple District. When was the last time either of you saw Kenobi or this Yoda character? Jason cleared his throat stubbornly. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it isn't true. Besides, Uncle Luke can't lie to save his life. Everybody knows that. You might be surprised. Piet muttered. He can certainly cheat at Sabacc just fine. Janus snorted. Jason, Uncle Luke also said Dagobah was one giant swamp, so for all we know he was high on fungus fumes the whole time. Oh, so now you don't believe in ghosts. You made us spend four months building a ghost trap because you wanted to meet one. One, we were nine at the time, and two, we're adults now, she paused. Well, I am. You, on the other hand, still think fart jokes are the last word in humor. They're funny, and you know it. What do you call it when the Queen Mother of Hapes farts? Piet cat a long-suffering gaze at the ceiling. Thank you, Solo, for your contributions to civilization. A noble gas, get it? Tell me you didn't try that one on Tunnel Car. And the genius part is I can tailor it to any audience. For instance, he indicated Piet, what do you call it when the Emperor hung audience? Piet said firmly. Okay, then what do you call it when Grandad young man, please believe me, when I say he will not appreciate such hilarity? What, he never laughs? Piet glanced at him, scandalized. Certainly not. Shouldn't have told him that, Jaina sighed. Watch, she'll make it his life mission. And his life is likely to be very brief, Piet said, in a suitably portentous tone. I call Bat the Shabbat. Jason kicked his feet up on the console neck to Piet's and folded his arms behind his head, the picture of unconcern. He has to have some sense of humor. I mean, he had two kids, right? So Grandma must have liked him, and nobody likes people with no sense of humor. Foster, Piet willed the computer. Jaina laughed. This from the guy head over heels for a woman who can watch hot soap operas with a straight face. That is her sense of humor, said Jason. Jaina eyed him dubiously. I bet Grandad goes in for dark humor. You have no idea, Piet cut in, and shot down that subject by stringently adding, Might I inquire as to why exactly I have the pleasure of your company in this restricted access library at 2200 hours? Research project, said Jason. Piet did not like that innocent tone. Is that so? And what, pray tell, are you researching? It's more of a sociological case study, said Jaina. And you selected this library because? It contains a valuable information source, one of a kind, not available on the Holonet. Piet's first thought was for the priceless collection of antique printed books occupying a display case on one wall. Then he realized the twins were eyeing him like a pair of circling crocana. No, he said at once. No, what? I am not entertaining questions concerning Lord Vader. Come on, grinned Jason. It's not like we want to know what color underwear he wears on Tuesday or something. Piet struggled against the mental image that was now trying to be born. Is your mother aware that you're here? 
Of course, said Jaina virtuously. She's always encouraging us to hone our diplomatic skills. And interrogating me for information about Lord Vader meets her definition of diplomacy. Jaina crossed her arms. We aren't children, Admiral. So she would be displeased. Look, if she is, we'll worry about that. Jaina bit her lip and turned a wide, wistful gaze on him. Please, Admiral, we've never had a grandfather before. Piet stared, unblinking, into her enormous, limpid eyes. Thirty seconds ticked by. She sighed in defeat. Overdid the schmaltz factor, didn't I? By approximately three hundred percent, said Piet. Told you, Jason huffed. Fine, take two. Gina perched her lips for a second, choosing words. From what Mom and Dad and that Mara are saying, it sounds like Grandad is probably going to come to Corazon before too long. We'd just like to know what he's like, that's all, from somebody who knows him. Piet remained unmoved. Then ask your parents. They've met him several times. Yeah, Jason said slowly, but they were always enemies then. They never lived with him, you know, but we'll have to. And, well, we grew up hearing stories, you know, most of them aren't good. None of them are, muttered Jaina, except Uncle Luke's and even that one. She cleared her throat, crossing her arms defensively. It just sounds like his good side is about as big as a Death Star's thermal exhaust port, comparatively speaking. Which explains why Uncle Luke's the only one who's ever hit it, Jason quipped, but Piet wasn't fooled. Though it had been a long time since he'd seen nervous young bravado like that, he remembered it well. Back when he'd still been the executor's captain under Admiral Ozel, newly minted ensigns had used to arrive like clockwork, ten or twelve of them rotating in every month, the best and brightest academy graduates sent to the furnace of Lord Vader's flagship for refining, desperate to prove that they weren't the sort of fools Vader so despised, haunted by stories of what happened to such people, and trying to hide under a thick layer of swagger. He used to take those young ensigns aside before they began serving on the bridge, sit them down in his office for a cup of calf and a little coaching on how not to get killed by Vader. And those poor kids had merely been expected to call him Sir, not Grandfather. He cut his throat, but right then the computer chirped, Search complete. Fifty-seven million results for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Tell you what, said Jaina, we'll show you a hollow of Anakin Skywalker, and you tell us three things we ought to know before we meet Grandad. That's fair, isn't it? Piet considered. Very well, with the understanding that this conversation remains between the three of us. Deal, chorused the twins. Jaina snagged a chair, and a moment later, Piet found himself the filling in a solo sandwich, Jason swiping through the results on his right, and Jaina scanning the list with an eagle eye from the left. Full disclaimer, we don't actually know this is a hollow of Grandad, she said, but we showed it to Uncle Luke, and he's pretty sure it is. What hollow would that be? It's just a minute or two clip from some Outer Rim news agency that folded ages ago. We think it's footage they took in the field during the Clone Wars and never used. Senate passed a Freedom of Information Act a while back to release a lot of old archives that got seized and classified at the beginning of the Empire, and this was in there. I can never remember whether it's the Naboo Daily Herald or the Theed Tribune, Jason rumbled. Theed, said Jana. There, that one. There ensued a brief spat over whether the clip in question was filed under Malastare, Magito, or Mantoine. Piet finally reclaimed control of the console and searched through each, until the twins both lunged to point at a particular line of code on the screen with simultaneous cries of, That's the one! With a tight feeling of anticipation locking up his trachea, and hoping that it was just anticipation and not Vader trying to throttle him preemptively from Mariadu, he selected it. The projector threw up a shuddering hollow that appeared to have been recorded inside a Republic troop assault craft. Rows of unhelmeted clones were panned through, laughs and sweat tracks and fierce grins on their identical faces, returning from some successful mission, apparently. The holocam wandered, without commentary from whoever had been operating it, through the ship into the cockpit. Please watch where you're flying, 
a ginger-haired man of the right was saying in exasperation, and try to remember this is an assault shuttle, not an Eta-2. You know, master, said a tenor voice from out of the recording zone, since attachment is forbidden, I think you should let go of your totally irrational fear that this ship is somehow going to crash while I'm flying it. The ginger-haired man raised an eyebrow. Just because I wasn't on Sentinel doesn't mean I don't know what happened there. Obviously you don't, if you think it was my fault. I know exactly whose fault it was. Senator Amidala was quite clear. There was a pause. What did she say? That you and Commander Rex apparently wagered a week of dessert rations on who could shave Dresden Heights the closest. I suppose she didn't mention I beat him by half a meter. Now, I'm afraid she was more impressed by the fact that you inadvertently flew through the CIS sensor envelope, got attacked by a division of 30 starfighters, and had to call a rescue force down from orbit to pick you up when you crash-landed in the Northern Hemisphere as a consequence. Nobody else would have made it to the Northern Hemisphere at all, the voice grumbled. I picked off all those fighters single-handed. The holocam widened its pickup to reveal the pilot, a tall man with shaggy, sweat-curling hair, an intense expression trained on his companion, paying no attention whatsoever to the tree-riddled landscape hurtling by on either side of the viewport. Nobody else would have put themselves in that position to tree-tree! The pilot's hands twitched. The ship nipped sideways, and a massive trunk scorched by centimeters to port. Blast it! What were you flying? I always know where I'm flying, master, the other retorted. Then, still evading trees at point-blank range with one hand, he spun his bucket seat further around to face the holocam full-on, irritation simmering under his controlled expression. Consider— Jaina froze the image. There, she said. I turned an arch look at Jason. And you wonder why Grandma would have liked him if he didn't have a sense of humor. Piet stared. There was no denying it. The eyes were a dead giveaway, bold blue, like his son and grandson, but even if they hadn't been, that absolute, commanding self-assurance spoke for itself. And the man carried himself, not just like Vader, perhaps, but certainly the way he imagined Vader would were he less encumbered in leather and durasteel. It was like watching a hand that had taken off a thick glove for the first time. As for Jane's commentary, well, having personally failed to impress dozens of females in his academy days, Piet had a fair idea of what women thought was attractive— and the man of the hollow ticked rather a lot of those boxes, tall, muscular, rakishly disheveled, the kind of manly good looks that inspired otherwise intelligent young ladies to start using words like sultry. Even the scar over his eye looked dashing, in brutal contrast to the great furrows Piet had glimpsed years ago, marring a head of bald, hideous skin as white and fragile as tissue paper. Somehow it had never occurred to him that the mutilated head could have had hair in it once, could even have inspired a lover's admiring caress. He stared at the handsome face for a solid minute or two, wondering, What in the nine hells happened to that man? Or maybe the real question was, What in the nine hells hadn't happened to it? Jada unpaused the hollow. What is this your last warning, Jax? Get that thing out of my face! The pilot stabbed his index finger at the hollow cam. Yes, murmured Piet, half-smiling. That's certainly him. The projector went blank immediately. Piet could practically see the, yes, sir, right away, sir, please don't kill me, sir, look on Jex's invisible face. He sat back in his seat with a soft exhale, echoed by the twins. Pensive silence reigned. Well, Jason said, that's everything we know about him. He thumped both elbows forward onto the console, grinning at point-blank range. Jaina mirrored him on the left. Your turn. Piet pinned Jason with a scowl. Three things, Jaina reminded him drawing the scowl on herself for a moment while Piet collected his thoughts. At length, he cleared his throat. I suppose the first thing is to be honest. He'll know you're lying before the words ever leave your mouth. Massively unimpressed looks repaid him for this jewel of wisdom. Well, duh, said Jaina. 
Even the Skycrawler can do that, and he's not even two. It's kind of a Force-sensitive thing, said Jason, more kindly. Perhaps, said Piet. But he defines dishonesty very broadly. If you say pleased to meet you, but are frightened of him, he'll consider that a lie, and a cowardly one at that. Which explained the man's total intolerance for politicians. The twins' expressions became much more sober and thoughtful. Second, be brief. He considers compliments and pleasantries a waste of time at best, and he is not famous for his patience. The longer you take in getting to the point, the less likely he is to receive it well. Huh. Jason considered that with steadily increasing approval. Short on patience, blunt, and we already know he likes to fly. You think maybe he's Carillion, Jay? Could be, Jenna caught Piet's eye. Have you ever heard him say, don't tell me the odds? That would require the odds to be against him, Piet replied dryly. You would have had to stack two sector fleets against Vader before any bookkeeper would accept wages on him. Not Corellian, the twins agreed with a concerted nod. So, pressed Jaina. What's number— A loud chime coming from the other end of the room cut her off. Three chairs spun toward the holocom station, where an incoming transmission signal had begun blinking. I'm afraid it will have to wait, Piet stood, straightening his uniform jacket on reflex. Next moment he realized that had been a telling mistake. The twins shot up on the edges of their seats like cath hounds who'd scented a roasting Nuna. That's him calling, isn't it? Jaina's eyes glinted. Piet ignored the question. It is a matter of urgent business. I must ask you both to leave at once. It is him, Jason breathed, eyes fixed on the holocom station with desperate fascination. Piet pinched his lips together. Every ounce of common sense he possessed was bringing danger alerts. But as they had just warned him a moment ago, they were force-sensitive and not easily deceived. Most likely, he ground out, but it is not my place to introduce you. That decision rests with your parents. We'll stay right here, Jason insisted. We won't say a word. We won't breathe. No, Piet said firmly. The topic to be discussed is classified. We already know about it. Mom's the chief, and if I have to call security to escort you out, Piet warned, I will. Jana crossed her arms, eyes narrowed. Fine. Sure you want to keep him waiting that long? Because it's going to take a while, Jason grinned. Our mom is... I'm aware of who she is! Piet covered his brow with one hand, cursing under his breath as only a man with forty years in uniform could. But they were right, blast them. It was unwise to keep Vader waiting. Suit yourselves, he said finally. Not a sound, either of you. They beamed and nodded, leaning forward in their seats for the best possible view. Piet gave his jacket another frustrated twitch and marched over to the station. As Vader's towering form sprang forth in the life-size projection, he felt the twins stiffen with excitement, but true to their word, not a sound escaped. Good evening, Matt, the index finger pounced. Do not think you can deceive me, Amberl. Who is it that you have invited to eavesdrop? Six hundred light-years away, and he still... It just wasn't fair. How could he possibly... Belatedly, he realized that a man who could take a head count from six hundred light-years away probably wouldn't have any difficulty picking up his thoughts, too. I beg your pardon, my lord. Just before you called, I received some unexpected visitors. However, he scowled at the twins. They are leaving as we speak. With synchronizations so perfect a drill sergeant would have wept for joy, the junior solos crossed their arms, thumped back in their seats, and raised their right eyebrows. Projecting such a resounding attitude of like hell we are that the only wonder would have been if Vader hadn't sensed it. It would seem your powers of persuasion leave much to be desired, said Vader. Perhaps your visitors would prefer to deal with me. The esophagus tried to turn itself inside out. That would be necessary, Sam, 
He forced himself to sound jaunty. I'm sure that- Vader pointed his basilisk gaze straight beyond the pickup of the transmission sensor to where the twins were sitting, now pale-faced. Dread had belatedly gotten the better of their curiosity. I insist, he purred. Damn. Piet froze, thoughts churning. Vader would be furious if he picked now of all times to be obstreperous. But what the princess would do to him didn't bear thinking on. Jada suddenly stood. Jason started out of his seat after her. Jake, you don't have to. I'm oldest, she murmured. As Solomon Fine, I was a captain preparing to go down with her ship. She took a deep breath, then marched across the room and stepped into the pickup with a small but determined smile. Hello, Granddad. I'm Jaina. How are you? The text of this story can be found on AO3 and fanfiction.net. The music is Guitar Blues by Sylvester Weaver. Special thanks to Sakiko. For more stories that I've read, visit my website at samgabrielvo.com. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.